Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Sherlock's Book Club, where every six weeks, Heather and Dordina dissect the best books out there. Don't forget to sign up at community.sherlock.com to add your own thoughts to the discussion. Hello and welcome to the Sherlock Book Club podcast with me, Heather Steele and Georgina Blasky. Today we're joined by a very special guest, Yomi Adekage, the multi-award winning journalist and author of this summer's publishing event, The List. Published in July, Yomi's debut novel is currently spending its seventh week in a row on the Sunday Times bestseller list and has been praised by everyone from Bernadine Evaristo to Paula Hawkins. In this podcast, the three of us will be diving deep into the list and we'll be exploring all the comments on the Sherlock's community where you've all been speaking about the book and your thoughts and comments and you've been asking questions for Yomi. So we'll be diving deep into that in just a second. But yeah, let's dive in and assume it goes without saying, spoilers alert. First of all, how have you felt about the reaction so far? Like, could you have ever predicted the success <laughs> it's had? <laughs> Definitely not. And I keep saying to people, <clears throat> I'm not a particularly like coy person um I'm not someone who'd like pretend or like do the faux humble thing of like acting like oh my god I can't believe it and like having secretly thought it was going to do really well yeah I definitely expected a level of commercial success simply because it was a super lead um title for fourth estate this summer and they did like put a lot into it they like I know they were really pushed it to the limit in terms of marketing and publicity so I was expecting it to like at least sell some copies i was like hopeful and i thought actually it'll be really embarrassing if it doesn't because <laughs> there's I, like there was a lot of hype around it and um there was a lot of support behind it and obviously the tv rights were sold early so i was like oh my god it's actually gonna be so embarrassing if i don't make sunday time so i was gonna be completely content with one week i was just yeah like, if i can just get number 10 for one week, I'm absolutely fine. And you can like say that that's Did what it, it was. Yeah. 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 can leave me alone. Everyone's gonna come <laughs> back, I'm commercially viable. So then when it got to like the second week, I was like, oh, hang on, it's <laughs> still there. And then by the time it got to like the fourth, I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. So yeah, I was expecting something, but definitely nothing like what's happened. It's just been absolutely cartoonish. That's <laughs> amazing. And like every yeah. week, is it just like, you're waiting for Wednesday, like? Yeah, I mean, it's like we got the email last night. I, I was, Normally I get it quite early on a Tuesday, um, but last night um, it came through quite late and my um, editor Kish was like, okay, I'm sure you're wondering like, you know, where's the email? You're probably yeah. assuming that you've dropped out, which I absolutely had. I was like, okay, yeah. six weeks, fantastic innings. And she was like, oh, like I just hadn't got around to sending it. But <laughs> here you are, you're number seven, lucky uh, number seven for week seven. I was like, this is ridiculous, but amazing. thank you. I'm like, forget, I don't even know how to like, um, response to the emails anymore because so I'm just like emojis like yeah. oh my god like, I don't know what to say at this point so, yeah. that's amazing. amazing it really has been the kind of the summer read you know when I've been away looking yeah. around people are obviously there it's got such a fantastic cover really distinctive yes. cover so when people are great. reading it you can see what they're reading yeah. <laughs> um we've had loads of people on our Shaylux community commenting about the book and saying like I've taken this on holiday I've seen people reading it on holiday we're actually recording this, I think, on what feels like the hottest day of the yeah. year so far in September. Talking about the hottest yeah. book of the yeah. summer, so <laughs> all feels all feels right. 
We've got one of our um, community members who has said, I'm halfway through and hooked. I would be interested to know how much of it Yomi drew from her own life experiences. I find it fascinating how many parallels I, and I'm sure many women can draw from theirs. So I think the question everyone wants answered is how much of it was autobiographical? So when it came to Ola, I'd say actually a lot less than people think. So I'd say, obviously she's a journalist and she works at like a women's publication as I have done. Um, she's a feminist, she's Nigerian. She's, well, she's British Nigerian. Um, and I think there are quite a lot of similarities in terms of like how we navigate like our industries and our like personal lives. But I think I actually had to have quite a lot of distance in terms of Ola as a person, mm -hmm. um, primarily because I felt like a lot of her decisions, basically I'm like, I'm slightly too much of a critical thinker, I think, to have written Ola similarly to myself. Otherwise it'd be like the most boring book in the world because it really would have been a lot slower and a lot kind of more, I don't know, a lot of the decisions that Ola makes are quite rash. Like, yeah hiring a private investigator and yeah. things like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I probably wouldn't actually do myself. But I feel like there are definitely parallels there, but I felt like actually one of the more apparent parallels for myself was actually probably with Michael. Um, not in terms of being toxic and a fuckboy. <laughs> <laughs> but more, I mean, at least I hope not. But more so I think in terms of writing about like his mental health yeah. and stuff like that. And like um, something I've been like vocal about before in terms of taking a year out of university because of depression yeah. and stuff. So I think that was actually where it sort of came more into play. But I'd say both of them, I'd say certainly have elements. I say almost every single character has like an element of myself and like my personality um, in them, if that makes yeah. sense. Like it's yeah. kind of like, I'd say fragmented parts of me that kind of like are, you know, manifest in these individuals. I suppose also to make a character come alive on the page, you've got to to, to write it truthfully. And then Absolutely. maybe do you think a lot of writers have characters that perhaps fulfill an essence of who they are in I think some yeah. way? Everywhere. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously I can only speak for myself, but I do think, I assume like most do. Certainly I'd say with like first works. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so interesting. So obviously when it comes to, you know, whether a book is like, drawn from personal experience. I think it's way more of an expectation from women. Like people mm -hmm. do expect mm -hmm. like if a woman's written a book, then it's more likely to have been in some way influenced by their personal life. But I think that's actually the case with uh, like anyone really. I think most people, even if the storyline isn't, I think emotions, um, thoughts, like just, yeah, I think not even necessarily like characteristics, especially when writing the emotional parts, I think yeah. a lot of it is drawn from like personal experience and even though it's not necessarily the personal experience of like having a I don't know an, an anonymous list feature your fiance on it it's like using emotions from other things and kind of putting it into that but yeah and I've spoken quite a lot about the fact that the list was originally conceived as non-fiction it was mm. going to be a report mm. I was going to write about when I sort of first sort of came across um a number of different lists in you know various different industries that were kind of um speaking about men largely men who had been like abusive and were mm -hmm. you know anonymously being accused of different things i remember sort of wanting to write a journalistic piece that kind of interrogated the ethics of that and um so i guess yeah my interest very much had like a non-fiction start and then it turned into something that yeah obviously became a novel so yeah i think that's kind of the genesis of it yeah so um i mean you've kind of answered the next question which is how you came up with the idea yeah. for the plot. Was there 
a particular list I and mean, you've mentioned a few yeah. obviously we're all aware of me too of course um there are others around that there are people who are being outed constantly, constantly in yeah. the public eye um but nothing quite like exactly yeah. like this yeah that yeah i'd say like in 2017 there were actually loads of lists mm. like going around anonymously and it's like um some like it's interesting you speak to one group of people and they all have like a different list in mind like i've got one in my head that i remember very much and I bet doing I haven't seen yeah it. i yeah. wouldn't be surprised if i hadn't seen it um like i remember there was one that was like focused on actors mm -hmm. and then i remember there was one my friend's a dj and she was like oh my god like there's this list going around about yeah. musicians and djs um so yeah what i actually think has been really interesting is that like i've seen loads and been like oh my gosh like this is amazing this is like you know we're able to hold men um who have been abusive and have been kind of left to you know run riot and run rampant or whatever in whatever industry for a really long time um we can now hold them like accountable um we can now have like conversations mm -hmm. about this but then i think just in terms of having a journalistic background having studied law there was just that question i think ethically of just mm -hmm. whether it was the right approach mm. just because of how unregulated the mm -hmm. internet is mm -hmm. and how much of a wild west it is so was there one thing that made you turn it into a novel then instead of non-fiction yes lockdown <laughs> there we go <laughs> it was lockdown literally that was it like if lockdown hadn't happened the book wouldn't exist mm -hmm. because um i really really wanted to do something on it um something that wasn't too didactic just something that really started a conversation mm -hmm. about something that's really uncomfortable mm -hmm. um 2017 it was very fraught and it was very new and it was slightly too early i think to have a real critical conversation about just whether this was the best method to mm -hmm. kind of um deal with allegations um and just really grappling with i suppose anonymity online and just how easily it can be weaponized even when a movement has the greatest of intentions mm -hmm. so 2017 i think i kind of yeah chickened out because i was like i don't really think this is the time or the place or maybe even the way so then it was like 2018 and i was like okay i'm probably gonna try and look at this again um and then i got the idea in my head for some reason that i wanted to do it as a play even though I've never written a play. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of- If I can see it there. as a play. I could see it as a play, yeah. just not by me. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not by me. Maybe one day someone else can Maybe. adapt it. Oh, I'd yeah. love that, I'd love that. But yeah, I would have nothing to do with it because I <laughs> found out very quickly I can't write plays. Um, and then it was lockdown and it was kind of like, you know, I'm always saying I can't cook, I can't bake. Everyone else was like baking and like making sourdough bread. And I literally was just like, I paint a lot. So I was painting loads and then it's like, oh, I ran out of canvas. Like what else is there to do? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I did have the idea knocking around from like a couple of years ago. And yeah, it was, I wrote like 80,000 words in lockdown. Wow. Um, I think only 30, yeah, only 30,000 of those words actually survived <laughs> <laughs> because um, I ended up taking out on a partial submission. And if lockdown hadn't happened, I just wouldn't have found the time to sit down and do it, I don't think so. I mean, obviously, I don't want to be with people like lockdown silver linings because they're really work. No, <laughs> but, but so you had some space to be. Yeah, I have yeah. to be honest. Exactly that it did give me yeah. um, space to do lots of things I hadn't yeah. done 
um, or what I wanted to do. Yeah, amazing. So another <coughs> reader um, on the community has said, it's a really enjoyable read, very thought-provoking with lots of topical issues that are tackled. I'm really interested to hear everyone's thoughts on the books, especially around the downsides to social media and the general culture of always being online. So I guess, yeah, how much do you see the book as a sort of commentary on how we all, you know, we all use social media right now? It's whole, like, 100% that is what the book's about. I'm always saying that, like, I think it's really, it's maybe easier for some people to, you know, see it as a book about, like, cancel culture mm -hmm. or, like, me too. But I'm always saying, like, this is first and foremost a book about the internet. Mm -hmm. Because I could have written this about an anonymous Amazon review. Yeah. Or an anonymous review on goodreads just anything it could just be about could be about someone who's being trolled on like a burner account mm -hmm. which actually kind of is you know there is that kind of plot line in terms of the um anonymous account that's like engaging with um michael but i think at its core it's really you know about questioning just how we operate online and what we engage with and and how and why because i think um the reality is that I don't know, I see it as like in day-to-day -day life, even if you live on like a safe street, you lock your doors. Mm -hmm. And that's just because you know that you're kind of, it's you versus whoever might be out there. And I think we have that approach in life, but online we have this, you know, it's it's a complete free-for-all. Yeah. It's just like anyone has access to anybody. I always use the example of saying like, any one of us right now in this room could leave this conversation and get on Twitter right now um, and make an account and start making up things about anyone in this room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the only thing that stops us from doing so is sanity. And yeah. that's a really low barrier. <laughs> like it's a really yeah. low yeah. threshold and yeah. a really low entry point. It's and I think, yeah, that's what's, it's frustrating. Cause I think it's a conversation that should be taking place in a meaningful way. But I think because it's a difficult one and it's thorny, especially when you look at it through the lens of like, um, anonymous allegations, mm -hmm. especially because anonymity in allegations is really, really important, generally speaking. Um, but that's offline. When we're talking about online, yeah, the, uh, there's no, it's not like the same as, you know, the police or the legal system engaging with someone and then their identity being protected from the public. This is, nobody knows mm -hmm. who's saying this at all. And um, I think anyone, I mean, I grew up watching Catfish. Yeah. So I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm very, very aware of just how um easy it is for a start how prevalent it is and also just how you know difficult i suppose the conversation around it is when it's attached to more yeah i think thorny themes sort, yeah. sort of as yeah as, as an anonymous list like you say i know lots of authors who are saying like, we don't know who's reviewing the books on amazon you have right. no idea who it is and 100%. but so much so many people put so much faith in that as a way of choosing what they're going to read or whether mm. someone's you know a worthy yeah. author or not and it could it's be crazy. anyone it could be anyone and i'm like i just remember when i found out that the really prominent accounts on black twitter that had gone like you know had gained thousands of followers and then I just remember like one day reading this Buzzfeed expose that like loads of them were Russian bot accounts. Yeah. And I was just like, and everyone just went, oh, that's crazy and moved on. Yeah. And I was like, hang on, people have like entrusted faith and these people are like now tastemakers. Mm. And then it's like Scooby-Doo mask moment. Actually, this isn't a person and mm. this was a bot account. And it's like, things like that happen all the time. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I don't think we take it very seriously, especially with AI and like oh. fakes, which is making things easy. 
I was going to say, yeah, that wasn't so much a thing I imagined when you were writing the book. But I imagine that no. would add a whole other sort no. of dimension. And it's happening to... so quickly because yeah. I think I started, I had the idea in 2017. Yeah, yeah. That's years ago. Yeah. And then I started writing it properly in 2020. That's mm. still years ago. And it's like yeah. all the developments and how much easier it's yeah. getting to like, and then like blue ticks not meaning what they used yeah, to. Of course. Yeah, Being yeah. verified sources. It's, it's crazy. I see things. I don't know if you guys remember when that account, an account's cropped up unverified when verification meant you know something legit, legit exactly <laughs> meant it was like a legitimizing thing and then an account just cropped up on twitter one day and was like hi guys Woolworths is coming back and it had like the yeah. Woolworths logo and everyone was like yeah this is so exciting Woolworths is coming back and i just remember being like i'm not like the smartest person in the world <laughs> at all but i just remember thinking it is the height of lockdown the british high streets have been completely mm. disseminated like like i'm sorry desecrated yeah like why would Woolworths come back? Like, like just logic. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make sense. But sometimes I think also it's, um, well, I guess there's two, to me, there feels like two points. One, it's like time. People yeah. read something and they just ingest it and believe it because yeah. they, don't, yeah. they don't stop and think, hang, hang on, on a minute. minute. Yeah. Um, and then also so much, especially now with AI and other things, it's yeah. just, it's evolving like quicker than we can keep up. Yeah. And yeah. therefore, like you just said earlier about the Wild West. I mean, there are no rules, but we haven't yet learned how to kind of react and question. 100%. And all this kind of verification that yeah. they try and bring in doesn't really um, sort of, it's always like a bit reactive. Yeah, yeah. it has to proactive be at the moment. Rather than proactive, yeah. absolutely. The person who made that account was 17. <laughs> like, I couldn't have done that at 17. How did they know what wool was for? How did they know what wool was <laughs> like, were they even but, alive? But they yeah. just used Photoshop mm. to create a new logo. And they're like, oh, I was bored or something. Yeah. And it's literally bored like... in lockdown. That, yeah. literally well, at least they had... I mean, that was really clever. Of really? Them, yeah. Like, clever. They gained, like, thousands of followers. And it was and an, it was an innocent thing. It was... See, that's, like, a really fun one. But it's, like, yeah. completely different. Exactly. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the fact that papers of record ran with that story. And that's when, like... Yeah we need to be careful because if actual publications yeah. Yeah. are then repeating and reporting mm -hmm. that, what can you trust? So yeah, that example is just makes me think like, God, we, what's, how are we going to get out of yeah. this? Why did so many people report on that? Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I really enjoyed about the book was that getting the viewpoint of, of Ola who has represented all these things that, yeah. that you mentioned at the beginning and how often the, the women associated with accused men don't really have any voice in the story that's being told yeah. in the tabloids and online. Um, and I think the way you wrote it, I really felt I was on the journey with her. Obviously, mm -hmm. things are revealed later yeah. about their past in their relationship, things that had happened in the past. Yeah. But I just thought it was interesting how um, how she reacted. Yeah. Because obviously it wasn't perhaps in the black and white way that she thought she would. Yeah. yeah. Um, why did you choose to write from her point of view? Um, I originally it was just from her point yeah. of view. Actually, it was I was so fascinated with what you just said, like the way women who are connected to men who have been accused of abuse are treated. I think there's always an assumption of complicity, yeah. and they must have known, they must have known. exactly yeah. always that. And um, I just remember being really struck by. Um, an incident that happened again, I think during lockdown, where Scarlett Johansson had worn a Marquesa dress to an award ceremony. And that brand is by Harvey Weinstein's wife. And she was wearing it. And I'll never forget the response on Twitter was really like, oh my God, Scarlett Johansson is like showing solidarity with Harvey Weinstein. And I was so like confused because I just thought, oh, my 
reading of this situation is a woman has just found out that her partner's like, you know, a rapist. Mm -hmm. has like been consistently abusive. Um, he's been unfaithful to mm -hmm. her and God knows whether she's been a victim of him herself. And this woman is showing solidarity with her. But people read it as she's showing solidarity with, with Weinstein. And I remember thinking this is such a biblical way, like interpretation of the situation. It's like, because she's married to him, they are literally one flesh and like his crimes are hers. And it just mm. felt really bad faith mm. to me. So I was like, wow, you know, you don't really hear from like the mother of someone who's accused or something or the sister or the friend, the female friend, the girlfriend. So I just wanted to write from that perspective because I think there's just a lot of projection when it comes to women. Um, who are um, attached to those people. And then um, writing from honest perspective, it just, I don't know, I, I was really enjoying it because I felt like it was such an unheard voice, mm -hmm. but then something just felt like it was missing and that's how Michael's perspective um, sort of entered the equation. But I just thought it was important because I felt like, um, and I knew to be honest that adding in Michael's perspective would make the story feel more, Roller coaster. It was so pacey. <laughs> like I like it when that happens in a book. Anyway, when you're like, oh, but now it's from this yeah. person and this, and it's like and really it like, ooh, ooh, oh, exactly. Ooh. Yeah. I was hoping it would change people's perspectives yeah. and make you not really able to side with anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you know, I I also wanted to make it that Ola and Michael were both really really flawed characters in different ways. Because especially when it came to Michael, actually, because I wanted it to be that. I mean, you know, has, like hashtag spoiler alert, but like. Yeah. This is an innocent man who isn't necessarily a good man. Yeah. And I could have written him as an absolute saint and it'd been so easy to, you know, get em elicit empathy from readers. Yeah. And they'd been like, oh my God, he doesn't deserve this. But I wanted to be like, no, no, wait, hang on. What if he is terrible? Does he now deserve it? Even yeah. if he isn't guilty of what he's been accused of, does he deserve what's happening to him just because he's not a nice person necessarily? Which is why I included things that made him like terrible in this gray weird murky way mm. as opposed to him being outright terrible but i also try to do the same with ola which is that yeah she has all these beliefs almost theoretically mm -hmm. and like she believes in things in principle but when it's actually time to practice it practice it she you know isn't necessarily who she purports to be and who she think she is so yeah i know they're really frustrating characters but no <laughs> they, but i they, mean they you, needed to be i think no yeah. one wants to read a book either when there's like two like perfect people yeah. who are just like going around and something bad happens yeah then you need the exactly. complexity I and think so, yeah. i loved yeah again obviously i didn't know how it was going to end at all but i really yeah. liked michael as a character oh, Can you? Fascinating. <laughs> like, i really find that so fascinating yeah <laughs> like i knew he like he'd done some bad things he hadn't treated women well like him and his friends were obviously you know said some questionable things <laughs> yeah to put it mildly but um there was still i i didn't know how it was going to end yeah. at all um i thought he probably I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't know. I didn't know. Yeah. But I still, like, I wanted him to be innocent. And not yeah. just because I wanted the two of them to get back together yeah. at the end and it was all fine. It's just because, yeah, there was something in him. He was still a good person oh, good. to from me. Oh, good. From a job. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Along those lines, do you think you could have written from his perspective if he was going to be guilty at the end? Oh, that's such a good question. Yes. I think I could have. I think I could have. Um... Because I think there were times where I wasn't sure I was going to end it. Oh, so yeah, I think I, I honestly think I could have. Um, it wouldn't have been easy, but to be honest, writing it was really hard anyway. <laughs> so um, I think because I wasn't, 
there were point at the beginning i was like i think he needs to be innocent to make this point land mm -hmm. um but then at some other points i did think well even if he's not i still think the overarching rather argument of just you know i don't know like a different approach to the internet and um critical thinking and just pausing um before you know disseminating information would still land mm -hmm. i still thought it was could have been proven in like through lewis's story for instance yeah i thought that that would that could still land that point so yeah at points i thought maybe i could make michael um guilty so i wasn't certain of how it was going to end so i think i could have still written it from that perspective it just wouldn't have been um i want to say as easy like it was easy to write from his perspective anyway i'm always saying that it's so it was so hard writing from his perspective as such a girl's girl like i grew up with two sisters and like I know, I'm always, I know like three guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know three, I think I know three heterosexual men. Yeah. <laughs> My so dad included. What would they do? <laughs> I really don't know any men. Yeah. So like, but the men I do know, I know really, really yeah. well. So like, I felt like I could get into that headspace, but it was difficult. And also like, not to be that like typical, like, you know, I'm literally like in my pink dress being like, I know nothing about football, but literally the stuff I was like, <laughs> the references, I remember like, I'd written, cause obviously making, I don't know why I made this a footballer to make my life worse. But um, <laughs> there was a bit I was writing about hat tricks. And I remember showing my friend and he literally was just like, if Lewis had scored that many hat tricks, he wouldn't be playing for Crystal Palace. And yeah, I was like, that yeah. means nothing to me. That means yeah. nothing. So I had to like adjust all the numbers. And I learned all this weird stuff about um, texting. So obviously there's like group chat yeah, scene. Yeah. And like, I was, I remember the original draft I wrote of it. I sent it to like, my my male friend my the male friend yeah. and he was like okay first of all like men don't really tend to laugh their asses off okay. not really <laughs> right. and they're like because it had like emojis and this is when it was still in color yeah um because we hadn't formatted it for the book and he was like mm, red hot emojis in the men's group. i don't know about that and like you know we don't really tend to like we tend to laugh in this way and i was like oh my god toxic masculinity is like yeah. killing you guys yeah <laughs> can't you can do anything you love each other <laughs> it's yeah. true because i went through back through all like messages with guys and i was like oh my god i'm seeing a lot of purple and blue hearts this is lunacy like oh my god yeah. yeah which is why i don't have that many male friends so i'm like this is so toxic but also how fascinating to yeah basically sort of fact check it yeah it was fellas, crazy like, yeah right. it was wild but to be to my you know not not to brag like a lot of guys were like this is really fucking accurate yeah. <laughs> they were all really embarrassed oh god this is this is what we sound read. like yeah <laughs> it was fascinating especially because there's such a specific group mm -hmm. of guys that it's like you know very much like black working class background, but like upwardly mobile men that like I know that it's kind of based on mm -hmm. in terms of how they interact. But then when I was sending it to the States, I remember being in a meeting with, I can't remember which production company, but I remember it was like mainly men and they were talking about how accurate it was. And they were just so tonally and culturally different from those men, but they still like they, that group chat was just their group chat. And I was like, wow, this is fascinating stuff. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to write. Um, yeah. yeah. I would say fun to write Michael's scenes with his friends because mm. they were all quite light but yeah even just getting into michael's head not always fun because it was quite dark in places yeah, yeah. but it was it was very mm. interesting because writing ola was more like if not like thinking about things that like a world i know like a world that my friends know yeah. and, or yeah. felt a bit more instinctive yeah perhaps. exactly that's the exact word yeah. yeah the names on the list and the accusations are quite varied yes um which is really interesting because obviously some are kind of greater yeah. crimes and accusations than others um, why did you choose to do it this way? And also, can you tell us a bit about, a bit more about yeah. Lewis um, and why you included him in that storyline? Yeah, sure. That's a brilliant question in terms of the variation. I wanted to do that variation because 
that is something I've seen before. I've seen lists where literally, like, so first of all, I've Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think when you're looking at social media, there's often a real lack of context just due to length and just yeah like how much space you have to write something so um i think a lot of lists i've seen or had seen in the past were quite vague um in terms of like information but also were quite varied mm. because of course it's like crowdsourced and yeah. of course like um yeah it, it, you know you don't necessarily have space to, to really write the details of something but also one person's like you know i guess experience can be quite different to another person's experience but still be under an umbrella of harassment mm -hmm. of some type or bad behavior so i again was like oh this is really again ethically an interesting thing because you know someone being um let's say like a unrepentant unrelenting like a uh, sexual harasser like versus someone who has an and like an energy that's kind of often is creepy which mm. i think actually is something that like matters mm. like often when it's like you know as a woman you have this like animal instinct almost yeah. of like oh I, don't, I feel uneasy around that guy i don't know if that should be categorized or quantified in the same way online basically if that if that makes sense yeah like, i feel like someone like pinching someone's bum at a staff party isn't necessarily the same as someone like I don't know, having an, an off energy or like being creepy. Cause then you have things like ba battery and like physical mm. soul and like rape and things like that, which are then quantified with these things that are like, like I can't even say slightly different or different. Yeah. Does not mean that any of it's okay. It's just mm. different. Like some are quantifiable crimes yeah, and others are that's exactly still it. horrid. Exactly. And I suppose also people's um, tolerance or what people themselves believe to be overstepping the line, Absolutely. which might not even be about whether it's legal or not. Yeah. It's just about what they as a person feel comfortable with. I think that's the thing. I think we, I think what happened, like, you know, certainly after 2017, is that there was almost the assumption that like there was a general consensus amongst women in terms of what's acceptable and what's not. And I don't think that is true. An example I remember seeing that I actually like fictionalized and like put in the book, was I remember seeing someone who had drunkenly tried to kiss someone. And then they, their understanding was, I tried to kiss this person because we were on a date and I thought that there was a vibe. And then her understanding it was was like, well, I didn't want, like they didn't kiss, but he like made mm. an attempt. And it I remember that like kind of dividing people. 
because some people felt like, oh, wait a minute, like, like he'd made a move, misread it, yeah. yeah and but then drunk, I understand how someone else could feel, yeah. Somehow. And it's just, Ooh. I just think that it's, it's yeah. just trickier than some things aren't. But I think what we've posited it as is that like men and women aren't on the same page. When whereas in reality, I think generally people aren't necessarily on the same mm. page. It's not just that like no, men don't know what harassment is, but women do. I think, generally speaking, there are some women. Mm. Sometimes it's culturally, sometimes it's an age thing. Yeah, that I was going to say generation. generational. Mm, and that's not to say it's okay. It's just to say that, like, being like, actually, this is really, really clear, doesn't mean it is, um, which is why it's worth speaking about, as opposed to putting your head in the sand and just acting like it's all fine. Yeah. And that's or worse, in- that it's your fault. Precisely. Yeah. Exactly. But that's what I liked about Ola, because she was obviously like, she was talking about how she was feeling, but she's also was trying to speak about how she should be feeling yes, based on like exactly. believe women. But then she's like, but, but, but that's but. not actually how she feels. Yeah. I think that was really something I wanted to look at mm. and unpack, was just online, like just how, I don't know, so much I think about the discourse, about anything online is about performing how you think you're supposed to react to something. Mm-hmm. And really sort of showcasing emotions or thoughts or opinions that you might not even have, but because you're meant to. Every one of us, I think to some extent, where like our offline and online selves aren't necessarily like married up in mm-hmm. the same way they should be. I think like it, it's so normalized that real, you know, disconnect. Yeah. We just kind of get on with it. Like, oh, it's totally normal. But I, I don't actually think it is. I think mm. the fact that Ola couldn't publicly say like, hang on, I've already conflicted about this. I have been with this man for three years and I do love him. And I don't know if I think this is true. I think it says something that she couldn't do that. But it's also interesting because when I've um, listened to like responses to the book, loads of people really frustrated with all are like, God, why doesn't she just stand by her man? Like, why doesn't she support him? And I'm like, because if she, like if I'd have written the world yeah. where she just did that and like hadn't questioned him at all, it would like in real life, she'd have been absolutely yeah. like, well, and, and you yeah, reference yeah, yeah. that in the book, how she is getting messages from people. Yeah. like, why are you still with him? Yeah. I can't believe mm, you're still mm, there. That exactly. She hasn't, she hasn't publicly left, yeah. but she also hasn't made a declaration to stay mm. either. She She's in that kind of grey area exactly. trying to work it out. Which I think is realistic. Mm, but I yeah. think that, that's the thing. I don't think that, to be honest, she should have just stayed. I mean, a really serious allegation has been made about her fiance. People wanted her to leave him because he's an asshole, not because of the allegation. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, loads of people are like, oh God, like she can do so much better than him. <laughs> but like, um, in terms of the allegation, like very few people have been like, I actually saw someone do a poll. Someone was like, oh, oh, like, would you stay, leave, not sure. And like the percentage that, act, and this was a public poll, but yeah. again, anonymous. Cool. Yeah, right? I was say, anonymous, however, yeah. The percentage of people that said leave was t- Tiny compared really? to I don't know. Yeah, compared, compared to, to I don't, I don't know, know yeah. and, and compared to stay. Yeah. I think most people are like, well, it's my part. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, well, it's my partner. Yeah. So my partner wouldn't do that, and that's just the reality. Yeah. That's exactly what Oliver's doing. Just touching on on Lewis, it's really interesting because he obviously does try to have some kind of declaration and some kind of agency about what's being yeah. said about him, and it obviously backfires massively. I really wanted it to be like a spectrum of. Um, You've got someone like Michael who is 100% innocent. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got Pappy Danks who assaulted Selly, which obviously explains her kind of yeah. um, controversial behaviour at the beginning. And then I wanted a character like Lewis where his story is slightly more complicated, where it's like it 
technically, and this is why I think kind of brings me back to the point of context that like, technically speaking, are the allegations against Lewis in some way potentially true-ish? Yeah, because mm. he's admitted himself that because of internalized homo um, homophobia, like he has been homophobic. But I wanted it to be like, it's not black and white in his case. His case is very, very gray. And I just thought that was important in terms of um, just understanding how waiting for all the facts to land can be important. You know, someone in the book had to really represent the reality of how far things can go. Cause I guess a real common thing people say online is just, you know, it's just the internet. Like it's just social media, go outside, touch grass. Mm. But I mean, when are we gonna, like it is life. Like but, it is I mean, life. Yeah. Quite a few major high profile major. stories. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And even just like the most obvious line that's been, like comparison that's been drawn has been like Caroline Flack mm. and just just that wave of like trolling you know there are multiple factors that contribute to suicide mm -hmm. so it's a complicated conversation but just I think even the com I think more what I thought was interesting um in terms of Lewis's story was reflecting that something terrible's happened everyone for 10 minutes is like oh my god this is terrible there are all these hashtags there are all these like charity initiatives yeah and then everyone behaves exactly the same mm. the next day um and that's what i really wanted to be apparent i thought that was really realistic like the sort of be kind hashtags and everything mm. like that yeah. was like exactly what happened yeah and continues their relationship at the beginning seems great like super fun like yeah i love that they went out on a sunday night and just went to all these <laughs> yeah i do that opening got... chapter yeah. that describes <laughs> their, their night out is yeah. brilliant excellent oh, thank you. but the cracks obviously develop quite quickly yeah. and we don't know as readers like what do you think was missing for them in their relationship at the oh, beginning gosh. i think it's something that like a lot of my friends can actually relate to which is just like being a particular kind of woman with a particular kind of man in terms of like she's very much like a girl boss adjacent mm -hmm. like she's yeah. like very much successful she's like doing her own thing and he is basically like you know, Barbie, like she's everything and he's just Ken. I think that is literally <laughs> my corner a lot. And I think it just, the cracks kind of show firstly and foremostly, I think because of like Michael's insecurities around that. And mm -hmm. I think um, obviously that kind of being manifest in like Jackie and stuff. Mm. But also I'd say like Ola's not perfect. And I made that very intentional. Like Ola is like in many ways quite elitist. And, and I definitely think knowingly feels like she could do better than Michael and doesn't necessarily respect him things that matter like trust Otto didn't trust michael mm. at all and um she didn't like respect him and i think he felt like he didn't he wasn't like good enough for Ola, which then led to like mutual resentments mm. i think so yeah there was a lot they had a lot going on <laughs> there was no way i could make them say together i was like oh i just <laughs> again from the off was that like a choice like you're like regardless of where it goes they're yeah. probably gonna walk away from each other i, or not from I each was other, but... you know i was really playing with that i was like oh i don't know because i'm a romantic i think my main thing with this whole book is that i felt like with the characters with certain things that happened it wasn't about it being satisfying really mm. i i think i just want i kept saying i just wanted to show life and yeah. be like these are two people and they're gonna really frustrate you because that's life and you can't mm -hmm. really be likable in a situation like this yeah. realistic though <laughs> um another reader said i thought it's such an enjoyable read i loved all the references to living in london and the nuances of being a black woman in 2023 i also found the friendships very believable and relatable my question to yomi would be were they inspired by people in our own 
Oh my god, my friends are so pissed off because they're not. Like, I remember <laughs> my friend like got to like the like I think like maybe chapter ten or something, and it really because because of Sally, and she was like reading, it, and she like believes in God, so yeah. she was like, oh, it's me, it's me, and I was like, okay, and then she read it, and then the further she got, and she was like, this has got nothing to do with me. They're based on people that I know from my area that mm-hmm. like I'm not friends with, but they're just certain archetypes, that yeah, just people that I know. Um, I remember someone someone said that like. One of my friend's boyfriends is reading it currently and he messaged him and was like, Michael is literally just if you put every fuckboy in London in a blender. And like, just <laughs> like, here you go. And I was like, yeah, this is it. But yeah, I think the whole representation and like London thing was like super important to me. Like I really wanted it to be accurate. And I think it's made it for some people definitely difficult because I think it is a very specific experience that's being represented but it's actually been so fascinating to watch how people engage with it because i've seen some people be like oh my god this is amazing it's a brand new world like i, I don't know any people like this i'm yeah. from dorset and i'm 73 and yeah. this is fantastic <laughs> and then you've had other people i remember someone saying like oh i really enjoyed this book but i'm gonna knock off a star because you know it like i liked it but i just got tired of having to like urban dictionary everything oh, and, like, really? everything. <laughs> yeah and i was like that's fascinating to me because i mean it really made me think, I was saying this to my friend the other day, that like, Sally Rooney is such a specific yeah, world. Yeah, I'm not, I don't go to Trinity and Dunham. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's, it's such a specific world. Most books are, but no, I mean, unless they're really generic and yeah. like, you know, non-specific, but most books are. But I do think because it's like very, very black British. So it's not like a blackness that's very like, you, like it's not blackness like America, which mm-hmm. most people like have come across before. Yeah. Um, but then it's not necessarily a Britain that most people know because you know it's Black Britain and it's really small population and it's really specific references and that just really stuck out to me because I was like I've never read a book in my life and been like this is impenetrable to me because like it's a very different experience. That's why we read that's fiction. What I, that's what I yeah. think because I'm like that's especially if you're like a you know black girl from Croydon like everything's like that like yeah, you're watching it, like. Yeah. Vicar of Dibley, and you're like, I have no clue what's going on. Yeah. Like, I don't know what they're talking about, but I love it. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. just life. So yeah. that's been interesting. But um, what's been even better has been people from that culture being like, oh my God, this is so accurate. And I'm just like, phew. Thank yeah, because I was going to say, going back to the reader comment, the characters yeah, are, are sort of brought alive by yeah. that authentic dialogue. So yeah, that was clearly important. Yes, to... very important to me. Yeah. It's made me realize there are probably a lot of black authors that do want to write things that mm. are slightly more specific, mm-hmm. but probably aren't given that space to. But I think I got very lucky with a publisher that have just been like, do you? Because I would have been so irritated if I had to put in like brackets, like, oh, he put on his do-rag, which is a cloth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just yeah, would have yeah. been like, oh my God, like, you yeah, trust the reader. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was gonna say, I loved the wedding, obviously it all went tits up, but like just hearing about- Yeah, but I loved how it went tits yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was great <laughs> Oh my well. God, the inclusion of the like projector was yeah, my, my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they do, it. yeah. <laughs> they were like, you should have it <clears throat> blown up on a projector. Yeah. And I was like, that is- lunacy but so genius but people have that i've seen them like upload your drunken snap exactly so i was like that is so clever (laughs) yeah and actually when it is adapted for the screen like that is going to be really powerful that's all i care about that wedding that wedding wedding scene has got to be amazing oh my god yes you need to be like actually i have creative direction over the place (laughs) (laughs) so one of our um shaylock's community members has said also, did anyone find her boss at the magazine insufferable? I guess that was the point, but OMG. So, obviously, we know you have a background in working in journalism. 
Um, have you ever worked for a boss like that? <laughs> Question number one. Um, and on a more serious note, we'd love to know what your route into journalism was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. I, I love Frankie. I actually love her as a character. I think she's my favourite character to write because I think she is just so what you see is what you get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought she was... I, I had a lot of fun writing her. Um, and, yeah, I know a lot of people <laughs> cannot, cannot stand her. But... I couldn't possibly say I've had a boss like that, but I will say I've certainly encountered a lot of um, bosses of friends, types. perhaps. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was just so fun to write because I think, I think yeah, she served very much as like comedic like relief. I yeah. think, um, which which is interesting because I think like when we're writing about like things like microaggressions and like racism in the mm. workplace and stuff, it can be like quite harrowing and mm. serious as we wrote in Selene Lane. But I think because Frankie is such a ludicrous caricature of a character like she's so silly that like yeah it kind of like brought surprising i didn't think that the levity would come from like her racist boss yeah <laughs> i really yeah. didn't and i think in terms of like my oh my roots are journalism oh my gosh um i was a blogger again like so this is what i'm saying like in terms of the parallels between me and ola she started out as a blogger and so did i i literally had a blog um, i studied law at uni and i was really bad at it and hated it and then i started like blogging on the side for just fun about pop culture. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget this guy who is in my acknowledgements. I don't even know if he knows. Um, he's like the last acknowledgement. This guy called Tom Northover, who I I would honestly say was like an acquaintance at my uni. Um, but we just used to have like really interesting chats randomly, like every few months on Facebook. And he used to read my blog, blog and he was like, oh my God, like you're really good at writing. You do know you could do this as a job. And I don't think it ever crossed my mind before that, literally. Um, and I was like, maybe I could do this as a job. So I was like trying to do um, like, you know, get get the old internship, mm -hmm. so that, you know, the whole circuitous thing of like, you need experience to get work experience. Yeah. And I just couldn't get experience anywhere. And um, back then the conversations around like race and like racism and sexism were like slightly less mainstream, mm -hmm. I'd say. So um, I really struggled with like getting, um, you know, pieces landing anywhere. So I like started a magazine, which now sounds like lunacy. I like, don't have the energy to do that now, but like I started a magazine. Not back, no, back then. That's what you had back to do. Then, so I was like yeah. 11, I was like, I was like 20 or something. So yeah. like um, I started a magazine because I was like, you know, I'll create the representation I want to see. Mm -hmm. And it was like called Birthday and it was um, like a magazine I used to give out in like Afro hair um, shops in South London. And we had like a whole photo shoot because I had this bursary given to me by a initiative called O2 Think Big and another one called Vinspired. I don't think either of them exist anymore. It was a different yeah, time. Yeah. We used to, I mean, I'm, I'm a trustee at Arts Emergency who do incredible work, which is like similar in terms of helping disadvantaged young people get into um, the arts and um, the creative industries. But back then, obviously there were way more things like that going around. So I they gave me like really small money, but a couple of hundred quid, started this magazine, and then was able to take that magazine and show people like, hey guys, I've never written for an actual paper, but here's my magazine and it shows I can write and it shows I can edit and stuff. And yeah, after that, I got my first internship. And then after my internship, I got like a job at ITN, um, which was what, with this like rival Buzzfeed that no one's ever heard of called Viewpoint News, which came as quickly as it went. Like it just <laughs> disappeared. Um, so I know that world that Ola was inhabiting very much of those in like startups, because I think most of the places I've worked at have been like scrappy like mm -hmm. um, startups that were kind of like, you know, new media. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, the rest is kind of history. Uh, another comment that we had, um, just to kind of swerve back to the book. Um, she says, I have to say, I was very surprised by the ending. Mm. Or maybe not. After all, we never know what is real and what is not on social platforms or behind a screen. Very easy and entertaining. The perfect holiday book. So I think um, we should just talk about the twist. The what ending. Was this always your intended ending? Did you have, you know, multiple endings, yeah. flow charts going in different directions? I had what loads of different happen? endings. I always, this was like the first one I wanted to do. And then I came all the way back around to it because I had an ending where Michael did do it. Mm -hmm. I had an ending where it was one of Michael's friends Ooh. who put him on there. I had an ending where... You know when like people are playing <clears throat> like games like Call of Duty and stuff, mm -hmm. and then they get into like random arguments with people halfway across the world, and there was that issue where people would like start swatting people, like sending like pol like police to people's houses. Yeah, oh, like they find out information about them and get like revenge on random people they've like argued with online. And I, I literally had an ending that someone had anonymously like created a burner account that was like saying all the stuff about him, because um, that is completely feasible. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. When yeah. you read about like. I did so much research into like the different ways people kind of get revenge online. Mm. And yeah, it's actually scary the lengths people have gone to. So I had lots of different endings, but I really ended up just coming back around to this one. because it just felt, I think what that comment is just, yeah, it's just really cemented what I was trying to say, which was the overarching theme within the multiple themes mm. of the book is just that the internet is unregulated. It's the world west and you just do not know mm -hmm. who you're speaking to. That's why I thought it was so powerful because it just like, who the fuck's Aaron? Yeah. Like literally just like this random person we'd never encountered before, yeah. but in just those just few random, short yeah, pages, it tells you so much about. Yeah. And Jackie, then the revelation that actually like, she she's, isn't this bad no, person she's just at all. Kind of just there, like she's yeah. not perfect. Like she is just a normal person at the end of the day. And I, I thought maybe I go back and I add more of Aaron. We have an interaction with Aaron, but then I was like, no, I don't even want to do that. I really want it to just be that like, because I, I think because I, when I was doing my research for the forum, especially Tattle, really made me like, wow, people can actually despise people they don't know mm -hmm. really easily. Um, they can really hate them and not actually know them, but have ascertained as much as they need to from social media. Yeah. And just like brief encounters to actually hate them. Um, I yeah, remember they form this real narrative about real what this narrative. person's like and then it will bandy together. 100%. Yeah, wow. So I was like, Aaron being like bitter about Jackie and Michael and going, I'm just gonna put his name on there. I just thought, yeah, that's- That could yeah. happen. People are crazier yeah. than you think. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. And I suppose, yeah, like he never would have known, he might not have realized what could have happened. Precisely. The back I think that's the that. thing. The assumption is just that like people are insane and just like, you have to be really, really evil to like do something like that. But the reality is like most people, I think, I think most people when, you know, they send a mean comment online, aren't really thinking about it in the context of this person, like this person's receiving a hundred horrible comments per hour. Mm. So they're not really thinking about the contribution. It's like, everything's very Salem witch trials right now. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's mm -hmm. yeah. projecting, projecting, pushing onto others because we're all, I think, deathly afraid of being canceled ourselves. And mm -hmm. we're all worried about like, so we feel like if we just push the focus on someone else, like hopefully our time won't come or we're staving off for a little bit. It's like they just think it's a game and yeah. it's not actually gonna yeah. happen yeah. in the way as in with such a severe hundred percent. I don't think I don't think people think it will it will conclude in something serious. Mm. I think that people think maybe at worst it will like 
against someone's confidence. Yeah. But even then, I think most people, if you spoke to them, wouldn't... Like, if you had a real in-depth conversation with them, I don't think they'd really be like, I wanted to ruin that no. person's day. I just don't think people think as well. Just that online being anonymous thing again, just exactly. gives people this permission. Exactly. No one, it's just so emboldening. Mm, it's like an invisibility mm. coke, isn't it? Like, yeah. what would you do if you couldn't be seen? No yeah. one's going to be how they would be if they could be. Yeah. 100%. So just quickly then, let's chat about the TV adaptation. Yeah. Like, what can you tell us <laughs> at this stage? Goodness me, I can't tell you anything and that's not because I don't want to but because there's a strike on oh of course which is affecting yeah. um the writing so I'm really excited about it and yeah. I think it will be hopefully I think it, I think it could be really really great I think oh, it could like, be really fun yeah yeah I just think there's so many things that I couldn't do with the book because there's a word count mm -hmm. but one of the writers that we really want to work with is like affected by the strike yeah. so we're kind of on pause at the moment which I'm not gonna lie like um all solidarity with the, of course um, strikers but yeah, like it's actually been like, oh, okay, this means I can rest. Because <laughs> yeah. obviously I'd, I'd be writing and doing press at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I can actually breathe. Um, but I, I've said repeatedly that I really want to do uh, Normal People where yeah. Daisy Edgar Jones and like Paul Meskell like were just created by that show. Yeah. And I really do want it to be that like someone who, you know, or a Michael, I would prefer for them not to be like massive Hollywood yeah. stars. I do actually want them to just be like, normal people and then have like Keely Halls or something. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just get that like one like really famous person. Exactly. Yeah. Did it feel like pressure finishing the book when you knew you had this sort of oh my God. in the bag? It was like the most double-edged sword ever. It was like, you, first of all, I couldn't complain about it because it was like HBO Max, A24 and fucking BBC are like making my show. I was like, how yeah. can I possibly articulate how this is a problem when it's not? <laughs> so I was like, this is incredible. But like, yeah, there was definitely pressure because A, it felt like there was a really big auction for it and the TV rights were sold and I hadn't finished it. So I kept like being like, oh my God, like what A, what if I can't physically finish this? And B, what if like the first nine chapters were a fluke? I was convinced. I <laughs> yeah. kept saying to my agent, like what if the first nine chapters were a fluke and I can't actually write the rest and like the rest isn't as good? I was just so conscious of it. But it was good because I'm re really lazy and it kind of was like a constant like, stopwatch like you know when it's like yeah. the they're counting down to the wedding it felt like you know six days to deadline like i was like constantly counting down in my head <laughs> like, like you doing it yeah, as well like right come on then <laughs> it was so that it was intense i feel tense just hearing yeah. you talk about it, was it. so <laughs> hard i can't I, I think i wrote yeah i wrote in about two years and i just remember being like there's no way i'm gonna hit deadline i was doing all this other stuff i used to host the women's fiction prize course, podcast yeah. right so like i had to like stop that and stop anything else and just do the book but yeah, I'm like really, like it, it was really anti-social time and really like kind of alienating time as writing novels tend to be. But like, um, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I just can't believe it's here. I can't believe it, I finished it. Like I'm so, yeah. I, and I'm kind of like, I don't know if I can do it again, but I have to. I was literally, I was just about to finish on like, I know you did a two book deal. It's a two so. book deal, which again, I'm like so grateful for. I'm like three chapters into that one, but I'm like, I don't know how, I don't know where I'm going to find the time between the TV and everything so, and yeah. all the press for this you know so yeah um we'll see <laughs> they i think they were like yeah we'll try and get it in by 2024 and i'm like that's not right, happening <laughs> 27 yeah. would be yeah. optimistic i think uh, well no i well whenever it comes out looking forward to reading thank it you so much. thank you so much for coming on thanks like, for having me. fascinating oh, thank so you. good so yeah just before we go we've got one more announcement which is that the next sheer Lux book club read will be really good actually by monica heisey love that book 
There we go. It's so it's just about to come out in paperback. So like lovely timing. But yeah, Monica will be on with us oh, next lovely. time. Um, so again, as with Yomi, if you've got any questions for her, please do look at the show notes community and read the book if you haven't already. Ask away. And yeah, we'll be chatting about the novel in late September, October time, I believe. So yeah, keep your eyes out for that. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching and listening. If you've got any questions for us, please do email us at podcast at Shirlux. We love hearing from you. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.